Morning, everybody. See, the rest of you didn't get the message that Bill and I sent out about that today was twin day, right? Um, but maybe next week. So the um, last few weeks, we started a sermon series titled um, Sacrifice, Surrender, and Submission, kind of Jesus style, um, of how he sacrificed and surrendered and submitted in his life. And today, I'm going to be speaking to you on reputation, um, how Jesus sacrificed his reputation. Uh, reputation is the beliefs or the opinions that are generally held about someone or something, um, like our status, our image, uh, what we're concerned about. Um, asking questions like, what are people going to think, or how will people perceive me if I say this or do that? And I think um, whether we think about it or not, most of us would say that what we do is filtered through this question of what are people going to think? What are people going to think, for example, if this sermon's terrible? <laughs> or if it lasts an hour? <laughs> but questions, what are people going to think if I have weeds in my flower beds. If I walk into Kroger with no makeup on, if the ladies walk into the <laughs> Kroger with no makeup on, okay, if I walk in late, if I miss the meeting, if I sing off key, if I don't have all A's, or what about if my kids don't have all A's? If I don't have a date, if my body doesn't look like you fill it in, if my family's arguing, if my child's throwing a fit, if my teenager's throwing a fit, if my house is a mess, or if I drive a crappy old cruddy car, how do I create the image that I want people to have of me. I think that um, one of the ways in this new generation and um, in our society right now in 2017, um, the outlet that we are using more than any to create an image or a reputation that we want people to think about us is social media. Now, I'm not bashing social media today, okay? There's a lot of great things going on with social media. Um, and if you're not on social media, you're not off the hook here today because we are in constant conversation. We are sharing information with people all the times in our lives where we are worried about what people are thinking of us. I'm not even on social media, um, and I still struggle with this very same topic. Um, I've prided myself over the years in saying, well, I really don't want, care what people think of me, which in itself is really kind of goofy because the whole idea of not caring what other people think of me is caring about what other people think of me. So let's look at Facebook, a few statistics for social media. Facebook has over 1.09 billion daily active users. It accounts for one in every six minutes that we spend online and one of every six minutes we spend on a mobile device. It remains the most used social media site among all ages with 64% of Americans 12 and up using it. 
Now, I know old people took Facebook over years ago, so kids moved on to something else. They moved on to Instagram. Instagram, 400 million active daily users. On the average, 80 million photos per day shared. And users like 3.5 billion photos every day. Now, adults started to kind of take Instagram over. So, am I right, guys? So kids have moved into Snapchat, okay? Snapchat has over 100 million daily active users, and it's growing. Users watch 10 billion videos a day, up, to eight, up from 8 billion in 2016. More than 400 million snaps are sent per day. Then get this one, 8,796 photos are shared on Snapchat every second. That, one, that kind of blew us away whenever we found that stat. When asked what they like most about Snapchat, 48% of users, which I'm going to say are probably young people, said, I like creating my own stories. So I have a question for you. When it comes to sharing information, whether it be in person or through social media, why don't we post this right? Instead of this, right? Why don't we post this instead of this? Why don't we post this instead of this? Why don't we post this uh, instead of this? And last, why don't we post this, which is real life, right? Instead of this. And the answer to that is, I believe, is because our motivation or our goal is often to be respected, to be admired, and sometimes to even be envied by other people. Now, notice said often here, because that's not always the case. A lot of times we are sharing information out of love and out of compassion and out of desire to help other people. However, if we go back to our banners with the fall and with our flesh being sinful, definitely creeping in there all the time and a lot is that desire to be respected and admired and even sometimes envied by other people. By the way, if you try Googling reputation management, there is such a thing, which is defined as this, the practice of attempting to shape public perception of a person or organization by influencing online information about that entity. You might be surprised that for a small fee, right, you can develop an online image that may or may not be based on the truth. And here's a couple examples. Reputationmanagementconsultants.com. Their, quote, compelling quality content will be created and placed with your branding in mind. If you're not happy with reputationmanagementconsultants.com, you could always try brandyourself.com that claims we'll show you how to identify and clean up any damaging content about your online, about you online, like negative Google results, risky social media posts, and images as well as help you promote positive content that helps you look great online. Our concern in 2017 is not new. In 1909, 
In the book, The Road to Oz, we find this quote. Hush, Dorothy, whispered the tiger. You'll ruin my reputation if you are not more discreet. It isn't what we are, but what folks think we are that counts in this world. We could even dig back into 1603 with William Shakespeare in the play Othello that says reputation is an idol and most false imposition, oft got without merit and lost without deserving. We could go back even farther. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 says, there's evidence that people struggled with this issue even in the first century. When Jesus said, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. I would argue that this has been a problem since the fall of man. And today what we want to do is we want to look at Jesus and how he looked at and how he approached the topic of sacrificing his reputation. Our key verse that we're kind of using here, even though there's going to be a lot of scripture, I know some of you are surprised by this, there's going to be a lot of scripture verses up on the screen, but we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And here we go. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for Christ. Um, not only for that saving grace that we have, Lord, but also for the example that you've given us in those years of interaction of him on earth. We have so many examples to pattern our lives after and how to live. And I just pray that through this, that, um, these, that your words will just speak Um, would speak to us and provide insight and advice on how to live this life. And if we're not living a life following Christ, what that means to accept you and to begin living that life. In Jesus' name, amen. So we want to look at some very specific ways that Jesus sacrificed his reputation today. Okay? And I've got four to start. We're going to move kind of fast. Um, But number one is he came to earth as a human. Um, He gave up who he was. I think we we sometimes forget that, that Jesus, right, is the word. He is God himself. So to come to earth means giving up, right, being with God in heaven. John chapter 1 tells us in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus also sacrificed his reputation by coming to earth. Not only he is the word, but let's not forget he's the creator of all things. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, it tells us, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions 
or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Coming to this earth was a sacrifice. The second way Jesus sacrificed his reputation is being of low status by human standards. He wasn't exactly born in to success in the high road. Very humble circumstances. Regular working family, not a lot of money. The towns that he lived in, of no significance. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 2 says, He had no form of majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. By the earth's standards, he was low. Not only that, he also took on the form of a servant of his own creation. So it's one thing for him to come here to his creation. It's another thing when you come here to serve. In the verse that we started out today, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 7, it talked very specifically about emptying himself and taking on the form of a servant. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Not only are there verses that talk about Jesus and how important it is that we serve, that he serves and that he does serve, but we have specific examples, very specific examples. If we look at John chapter 13, we see Jesus washing his disciples' feet that we just sang about today, right? Where he lays aside his garment, he takes out a towel, he ties it around his waist and pours water into a basin. Then he begins washing the disciples' feet and wiping them with that towel. Besides coming to earth and being of low status, Jesus also sacrificed his reputation by associating with people who might hurt his worldly reputation. He hung out with tax collectors. In Luke chapter 19, we see him with Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry down, come, hurry and come down. For I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw the, the religious leaders, when they saw it, they grumbled. He has gone to be with the guest of a man who is a sinner. When he calls Levi to be his disciple Matthew, he spends time there with tax collectors. And the religious leaders say what? And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled his disciples saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? He allows a woman to come and wash his feet with her tears and her hair. And when the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to him, if this is a man, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. The last way that Jesus sacrificed his reputation here on earth is by saying and doing things that weren't popular, that weren't culturally acceptable, and sometimes just flat out weren't safe. Matthew 10 tells us, Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. That's not a very popular message. He continues to say, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Again, not a real appealing message to a lot of people. 
Another not so popular thing that Jesus does that definitely would have hurt his reputation would have been in Mark chapter 11 where he goes into the temple. And they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations? But you have made it in you have made it a den of robbers. We also see Jesus doing some things that are not culturally acceptable, like healing on the Sabbath. He enters the synagogue in Mark chapter 3. He sees a man there with a withered hand. He asks the man to stretch out his hand. The man stretches out his hand, and the hand's restored. People are watching, they're talking. And they're actually at that point plotting to destroy him. Again, not a very popular thing to do. In John chapter 5, it says, This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath by healing people. Isn't that funny? Right? By healing people. But he is even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Again, not a good way to make a lot of friends with the religious leaders and some of the other people at the time. So the question I want to ask is, how did Jesus approach the topic of reputation? As humans, we are naturally consumed by what other people think about us and people perceive about us. We make decisions about words and behaviors based on how it will affect our reputation. Would we agree with this? All of us do this on a daily basis. However, even Jesus, who lived a perfect sinless life, was misunderstood and misrepresented on a regular basis. How did he handle it? Did he hire a reputation management company to come in and clean things up? Would he have? No. Jesus obviously didn't make choices based on maintaining or improving his reputation and status with people. He did not measure situations by asking himself, what will people think? Or how will people perceive me if I say this or if I do that? In fact, in John chapter 5, Jesus says, I do not receive glory from people. Powerful. Then in verse 44, he says that the Jews who are planning to kill him, he says that the Jews who are planning to kill him, how can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? Jesus was not concerned with what people thought of him. He was concerned with what the Father thought. Jesus was concerned with listening to the Father. A couple weeks ago, Brian preached a sermon on this very thing and gave tons of example where Jesus very intentionally spent time with the Father. 
Jesus was also concerned with pleasing the Father by carrying out his will. John chapter 8, verse 29 says, and this is Jesus speaking, And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I do, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him, to the Father. Not only was Jesus concerned with listening to the Father and pleasing the Father, he was also concerned with reflecting the Father by doing what he saw the Father doing. John chapter 5 says, So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. Listening, pleasing, reflecting. The Father, not people. So let's, anytime that we make decisions, and in this case, obviously, this is how Jesus is handling things, there's going to be results, right? There's going to be effects. So what are the results of Jesus surrendering his reputation? What, when we look into the Bible, what happens because of his decision to surrender this reputation? Jesus' words and actions cause people to, one, hate him. And bear with me here with these points. This isn't warm and fuzzy. I'm going to be real honest with you. But, but it ends a little warm and fuzzy, so sort of kind of. Okay? John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19 say, If the world hates you, Jesus speaking, now that it has hated me before it hate, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Another result of Jesus surrendering his reputation is through his words and actions, people mocked him. In Matthew, we read, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head, and they put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put on his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. Jesus' words and action also cause people to falsely accuse him. Jesus was falsely accused of being an illegitimate child, a deceiver. Mentally ill, demon-possessed, Beelzebub, actually Satan himself, a blasphemer, a lawbreaker, a false prophet, a glutton, and a drunk. So my question is, is why wouldn't Jesus worry even a little bit, right? When you're getting hated on and mocked and falsely accused, why wouldn't he worry 
about that reputation. Because Jesus' words and action also cause people to be drawn to the Father. We could read about the thief on the cross. We could read about the centurion. We could read about the woman at the well. Or we could read the story of the disciples about how his words and actions drew people to the Father. John chapter 6 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So what does this mean for us as believers? In a world where we are consumed with, right, ways of caring about what other people think about us and trying to create an image and trying to create status. As believers in Christ, we need to change the questions that we ask ourselves in reference to our reputation. Instead of asking, what will people think? We need to ask ourselves, am I listening to the Father? The same things that Jesus did. Am I doing my best to please the Father and carry out his will? And I'm, am I reflecting the Father by following Jesus' example? If we can say yes to these questions, then we can be sure that our words and actions will draw the same types of responses as those of Jesus. People are going to hate us. People are going to mock us. And people are going to falsely accuse us. However, the good news, in other cases, God will use our example to draw others near to him. That's the warm and fuzzy. Matthew chapter 5 says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. Here we go. So that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You repeat that again. And give glory to your, fa- to, and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's about the Father. So in preparing with this and kind of going through it, um, you guys that know me, like any time that I preach, it's like a co-preaching thing between Stephanie, who's back there hitting the PowerPoint thing. But the first thing that came to our mind was Rusty Toadvine. You know, over these last uh, few months, right, this has been going on. We have seen news stories. We have seen newspaper stories where Rusty, who is the executive director, thank you, of His Hope uh, Team Challenge here in Mimesburg, of definitely being hated on. 
of definitely being mocked um, in some of these meetings with people that were upset that uh, we are in the process of, of having a, a rehab kind of resource down on 4th Street, Mimesburg. They have said and mocked. I, I heard that specifically. Well, who's his, right? And they falsely accused in print things about Rusty that are not true, saying things that Rusty said that aren't true. But it doesn't end there, does it? it? You know, we could focus in on all those negatives, those three negatives of being hated on and being mocked and being falsely accused. But through the strength of Christ, I feel like I know that Rusty has stayed focused on the Father. And that was evident at the His Hope banquet a couple weeks ago where I watched people that I know in the community who do not have relationships with Christ set around tables because they agree that drug addiction is a problem in our community. And they don't just they didn't just hear that, but they heard the gospel. People that have maybe never even been to church, but that night sitting down there in that banquet hall, they heard the gospel. Because God uses us as an example to draw others near to us. So I asked this morning if Rusty would come up. I wanted to pray for him in front of everybody. Um, if, us as a body, I don't want to pray for him in front of everybody. Yeah. Build my reputation, you know. Um, but this is a, not an easy thing, right? When people are... Um, when people question our character and, and make things up about us. But we know what we are doing is right and biblical and honoring God to stay focused on that. So I'd just like to pray for you real quick. Dear God, I thank you for Rusty and I, I thank you for Corinne and his whole family um, who have followed your plan for this ministry that you have before them. And there are people, God, that don't follow you, that don't understand uh, why this is a good thing and don't understand why you're wanting to do this thing on Fort Street. And I just pray through all of the, the lies, the hate speech, and the mocking of you and of Rusty and the false accusations that have been thrown out in newspaper and TV to not only smear your name, Lord, but also to try to discourage Rusty and, and to... And I just thank you that he's not gone on the defense, that he's not out there trying to address these things, trying to save his reputation in the eyes of people, but that he is staying focused on you. And I just pray that you will continue to use his hope, that you would continue to use it as an avenue not only to help people that are addicted, but also to introduce yourself to people. And I just pray for strength for Rusty. I pray in those times where he wants to defend himself so bad that you would just speak to him and let him know that as long as he is listening to you and pleasing you and reflecting you, that that's all that matters.
In Christ's name, amen. So let's go back to um, Philippians chapter 2, kind of where we started, which it would fit into my sermon better if it was like cut in half and flipped, okay? So I think I can actually do that, though. Can we go to the next slide? Yeah, so let's flip it. Jesus, so Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to, equal, to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So, can we go back? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better to himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If you call yourself a follower of Christ, this is a, a freeing message that we don't have to worry. I want to be careful here we, because we also should sometimes be concerned. We don't want to be a negative in the world. But when, when we know that we are in alignment with what God is asking us to do, that we don't have to worry about a reputation. And instead of asking ourselves over and over, what will people think? That we just, we need to focus on listening to the Father, pleasing the Father, and reflecting the Father. If you are not a believer in Christ today, then you're probably, like me, on a daily basis, in some cases, living a life where you're constantly trying to please people which never happens. And totally worried about what people think of you. So if you're not a follower of Christ today, I will tell you that there is a God out there, right? There is a God. He loves you. And when you have a relationship with him, all you have to worry about is pleasing him. Is pleasing him. Let's pray. Dear God, I, I thank you for your words and your many, many examples of Jesus' interactions here on earth. And in our sinful nature, God, we are not able to accomplish this. We are going to be tempted to worry about our status and our image and our reputation. But through your Holy Spirit and a relationship with you, it's my prayer that we will begin to not worry about what other people think, but worry about listening, pleasing, and reflecting you. In Christ's name, amen.